We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Uh, as you can tell, my voice is not perfect, uh, similar to Flyers goaltending of the last um, this season. Um, oh, but I will. We haven't even started yet. Welcome to checking out the competition, New Jersey Devils, again. And we are joined by John Fisher of All About the Jersey. John, how are you doing? I am doing. As well as I could possibly be with the state of my voice, which is at least better than Carter Hart's season in terms of goaltending. Oh, John, could we just get into it before you start roasting? It's a tough time for everybody. Let's just chill a little bit. I was going to say something nice about you, and now I'm taking it back. Last I checked, Philadelphia could still be a playoff team. I mean, anything's possible. Anything is indeed possible. And it would be very important for Philadelphia to get a win over the New Jersey Devils team that's all but not going to make the playoffs. Except this game is well, in Philadelphia. So. Sorry about that. Um, right. Train of thought. So the Flyers and the Devils have not played each other since late January when the Flyers won two games then we had that little covid sitch for both teams that mm-hmm. canceled a few games and so now we're back again and over the last couple of weeks it seems like the devils have been doing pretty okay considering like you won two of three against the penguins that's pretty good yes. mm-hmm. um beat the sabers which is like you know everybody is supposed to so good mm-hmm. job there um beat the bruins one yes. nothing. 
So the first thing I want to ask you before we get anything else, um, how do you beat the Boston Bruins asking for a friend? You need to have your goaltenders play out of their mind. And I'm not, I'm not trying to roast you here. I'm legitimately how that's how the New Jersey Devils did it in all four of their games against them this season, where Mackenzie Blackwood or the surprising efforts of Scott Wedgwood, uh, Arizona flameout slash Tucson flameout slash Binghamton flameout, uh, just played out of his mind and stopped everything possible from the likes of Marchand and Bergeron and Coyle and Krejci and, you know, all, all the, you know, the names you're very familiar with on the Boston Bruins. Um, yeah, all those games have, for whatever reason, the Devils have just had Boston's number. I mean, the efforts against them were good, but it all came down to the Devils goaltenders were just going to have better nights than Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak. And that's what it came down to in each of those four games. Cool. Okay. So that doesn't help my friend at all. No, so. your, your friend, your friend <laughs> may need to go to church, go to temple, go to a mosque. Maybe, maybe read some books online. You know, maybe I'm not going to say I endorse Scientology, but hey, you know, any port in a storm, anything to get, you know, Carter Hart and Brian Elliott up to something resembling a halfway decent goaltender in the year of our Lord 2021. So let's let's start off with goaltending since you brought it up so quickly. The two woods on the Devils, Scott Wedgwood, Mackenzie Blackwood, both of them annoy me because they're playing very well. Um, Scott Wedgwood has better numbers than Mackenzie Blackwood, which is absolutely wild. So it wasn't just, you know, one lucky lights out performance against the Bruins. He's been playing pretty well all season, huh? He has been. And I would say Blackwood has been playing better than what his numbers suggest either. Cause a lot of what the devils have been, um, struggling with why, I, I smiled, not that you can see that because we're recording an audio, you can't see my face, but but I smiled when you said the Devils were doing pretty okay because that win over Buffalo ended in 11-game home losing streak where the Devils found every way possible to victimize their goaltenders, whether it's letting mm-hmm. guys cut to the net on penal- penalty kills. It's whether it's, oh, you know, we're just going to pinch badly and give up a two-on-one and, oh, you know, giving up a two-on-one to Alexander Ovechkin is like a bad idea. Um whether it's uh, just not covering men. There was a game against the Islanders where two guys, um, Sammy Vatnin and Dmitry Kulikov, bodied into Blackwood on goals against. Like, mm. like, like, <laughs> you know, as a fan, you almost want to, you know, call up, call up the coaches or call up somebody and just say, guys, you can't hurt <laughs> your goalie here. You're literally ruining him. Literally his numbers. Literally his body. But uh, no, Blackwood put in a great performance on Sunday. Uh, against Pittsburgh more recently, and Wedgwood was also very good on Saturday against Pittsburgh, even though that was a loss. Um, but yeah, you know, the goaltending for the Devils, you know, of all the issues they've had this season, I would not say goaltending has been one of them. I think they've been perfectly fine with the cards they have been proverbially dealt. So one of the other things that seems to be going at least better than it was the last time that we spoke, all the way back in January, um, Jack Hughes seems to be a hockey player now second on the team in points with 16 seven goals nine assists um how has he what what kind of happened to turn him on what happened there well there's a number of things that happened um the meme answer is that he he gained the 14 extra pounds of muscle kelly which i did bring up (laughs) back in january and i would still encourage all of you to go out there and get yourself some 14 extra pounds of muscle because clearly it's working out for mr hughes since when he's on the ice in five on five 
the Devils are taking 56% of the shooting attempts. They're taking nearly 55% of the shots. The expected goals rate is just around 54.5%. Uh, scoring chances are you know, nearly 57%. Even high danger chances are at 54%. So, I mean, this dude is on the ice. The Devils are on offense. The Devils are attacking. And this guy has the skill set to... Um, just make things happen. So the 14 extra pounds of muscle, yes, it's a bit of a meme, but he's able to absorb more contact, um, keep the puck on a stick more often. There are, you know, as you know, with Claude Giroux, you know, when you have the puck on your stick a lot, you're also more likely to lose it. But Hughes is so quick and so tenacious that he'll win the puck back and continue to find plays and can continue to keep the, um, keep the system going in the right direction. And as such, you know, he's been a fantastic player for the Devils offense and his skill set is just frightening in some ways, Kelly. I'll, I'll tell you about the last goal he just scored against Pittsburgh because he almost did it again, and he might do it again against the Flyers. Mm. His last goal was off the helmet from a sharp angle, basically at the goal line, right right by the post, off Tristan Jerry's helmet and into the net. And he nearly did it to Casey DeSmith two, nights, two days later. So you think he's... Could he be aiming? For their it's, heads? If, if he sees the opening and he sees that corner's open and the goaltender's not protecting it well enough, he's going to aim for it, Kelly. And mm. he's good enough to do it. He's like Sidney Crosby in that way. When you think it's not possible, he's going to show, no, I'm going to show you how to do this. And what's even better, Kelly, is that his common line mate has been Jesper Bratt, a very fast, very agile, very strong edge work um, winger who finally scored his second goal of the season on a sick wraparound to beat the Penguins in overtime. And that capped off another fantastic game. And him and Hughes together have just been a joy to watch. Hmm. And that I was has personally, also helped you. I was personally hoping that Jack Hughes would continue to be kind of a bust because that was fun for me personally. But I guess he was bound to, at some point, be good at hockey in the NHL. One of the yeah. things that seems to have improved, I was perusing your website this afternoon to find things to talk about. And I didn't realize that um, for quite a long stretch of the season, the devil's penalty kill was hideously bad, somehow worse than yeah. the Flyers penalty kill, which is impressive because the Flyers penalty kill is also hideously bad. And then kind of in what seems like out of nowhere, just completely turned it around. And now it's, Let's see, three goals in the last 10 games. Three power play goals, I think, if I read that correctly. Um, so it, it it seems like kind of out of nowhere it turned around. Was there some kind of system change or personnel change, or did things just start to click for the guys? It's a mixture of all three things, Kelly. So one of the big beefs among the Devils fans has been the return of Elaine Nazardine uh, behind the bench. He was an assistant coach under John Hines for his entire tenure in New Jersey. He ran the penalty kill, which was great. Then he was the interim head coach, and he was not good as an interim head coach. But they brought him back as an assistant with ownership of all people, specifically saying, hey, he's great on the penalty kill, so we'd like to have him back. And then the Devils went on to put up possibly the worst uh, success rate on penalty kills within the first 15 games of the season, like in 50 years. Like It was below 60% at points, uh, Kelly, which is – hideous would be a, a compliment for that. But over the past 15 games, you know, their success rate is 83.3%, which puts them up in the top 10. And uh, they've given up seven goals on 42 uh, shooting situations. And yeah, there've been a couple miscues, 
some of them are more like, you know, long shot gets tipped in among traffic, like not much you can do about those types of uh, power plays. But, you know, there have been some uh, con- more consistency in terms of the personnel. Um, instead of using Kyle Palmieri or um, guys who probably shouldn't be on a penalty kill, they've been using sticking more to sticking with um, Michael McLeod, Pavel Zaka, who was a great penalty killer for the team for the past several years, Travis Zajac, who's been on the penalty kill ever since he was a rookie, which makes him a 15-year-old penalty killer. Um, and other younger guys like Yegor Sharangovich and Yannick Kwakinen, well, not Kwakinen necessarily, but basically just sticking to the same sets of forwards to build up um, some commonality. And you've gotten better. The Devils have also received better performances out of Kulikov, Subban, Severson on the penalty kill. And um, most, most importantly is that the Devils are not nearly as passive. Um, I've noticed that early on in this season when they were giving up power play goals like it was going out of style – was that they would just not attack the puck carriers. They would not pressure them. They would not try to stick check them, which is ironic because that's exactly what every team against the New Jersey Devils power play has done since the beginning of time, or at least this season. So because of the passivity means lanes are open, guys are open, back doors are open. And, you know, you've seen it with the Flyers for so many years, Kelly. You know, you give, you give enough talented players a lot of space, they're going to make you pay, and the Devils paid the price. So they finally gotten a little more aggressive, a little more puck hungry, a little more um, um, pressing, I would say, on their penalty kills. And as such, you know, they've been able to get more success, more clearances, and make Devil fans not freak out every time a penalty is called against the Devils because there's a better than, you know, 50% chance that they're going to kill it. So you mentioned that uh, Igor, Sharon Govich, Travis Zajac... Yanni Kwakinen? I think I said that right. I may have, um, I may have misspoke there, because th- those three have been aligned together for the past uh, week or so. In fact, they got a lot of Sidney Crosby's line over the last three Yeah, years. I wanted to ask you about that, because that was another piece that I saw in all about the jersey, was that that line's been kind of pieced together randomly, but it is apparently working really well, um, especially considering that Zajac had not been playing very well for the Devils. What is it about that line that you think is clicking so well? Well, I think it's a number of things. Uh, first and foremost, Zajac was playing really well before that second game against the Flyers, because that's when he entered ah. the COVID protocol list. Um, so, I mean, he had a good start, but, but when he came back after COVID, and he did, he suffered through it, his family suffered through it, it literally went through his entire household. That's why he was on the list longer than every other Devil. And when he came back, he was definitely, um, definitely rusty, definitely out of his element a little bit. So it, it took some time for his for his game to get back. But what really works, excuse me, <coughs> yeah, that's what I get for trying to talk like this. Um, <laughs> anyway, but um, the 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 idea of pairing him with Kwakin and Sharon Govich has been a real boon because, despite their, I'm going to say, relative anonymity you know, as a prospect, like Kwakin was picked up in the Vatnin trade last season. And Sharon Govich was an overage draft pick, went right to the AHL Binghamton Devils and was there for a couple of years. And, you know, he he basically blew up in the KHL during the, um, well, during the lack of NHL hockey. Um, so it was a big question of like, okay, how do these two fit in with Zajac? But it actually has played them off really, really well. Both those guys, Sharon Govich in particular, he's very tenacious on the puck. Um, definitely not, I would say as, you know, a hard nosed guy, I would say, but he's definitely 
more than capable of holding his own with physical play and getting into tight spaces. Zajac has the experience to handle those types of things. And Kwakinen, you know, he's under he understood that uh, for his all his years in Carolina, he was basically blocked to make that roster. So he's making the most of his opportunities. And I think, um, you know, as we see a lot in this sport and a lot like in life, Kelly, you know, success begets more success usually. So you get a good shift of uh, Zajac, Sharon Govich, and Kwakinen, and next thing you know, oh, they have another good shift. Oh, they have another good shift. And yeah, it, some of the recent games, the run of play, the the stats, the five on five stats in five on five aren't always so good, but that's because they drew the Crosby line for three games. And, you know, that's almost a testament to why that line is working as well as it is, because Lindy Ruff and his coaches can say, Zajac, Sharon Govich, Kwakinen, go out there and take care of Brian Rust, Jake Bensel, and Sidney Crosby. Do whatever you can. Don't get burned. If you can score one, great. And, um, you know, the line, of I think, over all three games, I think either matched or uh, outscored that line in five-on-five play. So, and that also frees up the lines for the others, um, like Jack Hughes's line, to go out and beat lesser competition. So, um, it's it's really a case of this pairing had some good signs, and rather than try to tweak it and finagle with it and whatever, um, they just let it ride, and it's been um, it's been uh, blossoming like a flower in the. Um, mm. March, April, sun. That's not a really good comparison. Nothing has bloomed yet here in New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> maybe in a couple you, of days. You were, it was a, a little bit of a stretch, but you got there. Yeah. So, theoretically, in a balanced universe, the Flyers should beat the New Jersey Devils handily, I think. I think mm. on paper, I'm, uh, this okay. is a theoretical I, I... in a balanced universe take. Theoretically, I think that they're a better team on paper. One could argue the Mackenzie Blackwood, Carter Hart debate, which at this point can't be argued, but theoretically could be argued. Of course, this is not a balanced universe and the Flyers look like ass, but let's pretend that they were playing well. Okay. What is the thing that you would say would beat? The Flyers, like what on the Devils is the thing that would put them over a well-playing Flyers team in this situation? I think what the Devils would need to do, regardless of this theoretical world on paper world of, you know, if the Flyers are playing well, this is what the Devils would need to do. Because I think the Devils are going to need to do this tomorrow regardless, is that they're going to have to repeat what they did in Pittsburgh on Sunday, which is they need to come out with lots of pace, lots of speed. Lots of uh, tenacity. And if the game becomes effectively a track meet, so what? You you know, the Devils, yes, Pittsburgh does not have Jenny Malkin, but it's still the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's still a team with 100 goals scored this season. Um, you know, it's a team that was 12-3-1, and, and the Devils are one of the three teams that beat them in regulation at home this season. Um, the Devils need to come out almost with the mindset and the mentality, not just for tomorrow's game, but almost for the rest of the season of, you know, we may lose. But we're going to we're going to lose on our feet instead of dying on our knees. What I mean is that if the Devils want to get too conservative, don't tell the defenseman to activate. Don't um, have forwards and wingers drop in into the slot to help out on defense. If you want to play a quote unquote more traditional game, it's going to be more of a struggle to get going forward. And I think that a team like the Flyers would feast on that. So it's more important that the Devils take initiative and hit back to the Flyers as much as possible. And if again, if the game becomes a track meet, then so be it. Um, but I would say that's what the Devils would need to do. And I'm glad that the Devils did beat Pittsburgh on Sunday in overtime to do that um, because 
again, success tends to be get more success. What tells you to keep on doing what you're doing, Kelly? Winning. When you win a game, you want to keep doing what got you to winning. Mm-hmm. If you lose, then you just go, ah, let's change everything, regardless of whatever stats or whatever positive signs that may suggest that, no, you should keep doing what you're doing. Um, so that would be the big thing I would say is that the Devils need to come out hard and fast on the puck. And they need to make sure that um, they win those early shifts. And if they can get that going, just keep it rolling. Just keep it rolling. If the Flyers have a couple good shifts, don't freak out. Just hit them back on offense and just keep making those goaltenders sweat. Which of the woods do you expect that we'll be looking at? I think we're going to see Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, he did play oh, two of the two of the three against Pittsburgh. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> this is what it's like with a chest cold. Um, the Devils have a back-to-back in Washington on Thursday and Friday. So, and shortly after that, they have to go to Boston. So, I would imagine that Wedgwood would probably get one of those games instead of this one. Um, mm. And Blackwood did play really well on Sunday. You know, he faced 35 shots. He only let in one goal. The one goal was a one of those classic, only Sidney Crosby is going to score this goal, and Sidney Crosby scored it. Um, you know, you just got to tip your uh, cap to the man sometimes. Not that you would ever want to do that as a Philadelphia Flyers fan. Understandably so. But, um, I, yeah, I think you're going to see. can be reasonable. You can be Thank reasonable. Thank you very much. But are you reasonable? You know, intermittently. Fair enough. Your honesty <laughs> is appreciated. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be Blackwood tomorrow. And I think you're probably going to see a lot of the same lineup um, that the Devils threw out there on Sunday. I don't think you're going to get Nikita Gusev, which is probably a benefit for the Devils. And, um, Kelly, there's actually one really big thing I got to tell you about the Devils this season. Oh, good. I don't know if you picked up on this on the site. If you haven't, um, this is a rather important point, uh, Kelly. You don't want to know why I said early on that this it's important that this game's in Philadelphia? Mm-hmm. The Devils are one of the worst home teams in hockey. And the Flyers have contributed to that, by the way, with, you know, two of the 11 losses in regulation that the Devils have suffered at home this season. In fact, that game against Buffalo that you referenced, that was their first home win since January 21st. Hmm. Um, and that includes two losses to Buffalo at home, by the way, in, in that span. But on the road, the Devils are 7-3-2. and two. They're actually one of the better road teams in this division. And as I just mentioned, they are one of the few teams to beat Pittsburgh in regulation on their home ice. They're one of the few teams to beat Boston in regulation on home ice. And if I'm looking at this correctly, uh, Kelly, Philadelphia, they have a positive record at home. But it's nowhere near onto the levels of Washington, the Islanders, or Pittsburgh. I'm going to be honest with you, John. Um, that doesn't matter oh. because the Flyers are a disaster right now. <laughs> like home, away, Carter Hart, Brian Elliott. Who who's in, who's out doesn't really matter. The whole thing right, right now is a giant mess. I don't know why. I can't figure it out, but. Let's just pretend that that's not true, and okay. this will be a competitive hockey team or hockey game. Probably, so one last thing, I would—I mean, it could be. It, they have a better shot at being competitive against the Devils than they do against, you know, the Capitals right now. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about, just because I kind of noticed it, um, PK Subban 
he finished the season last year with 18 points and he already has 14 points mm-hmm. this season. Is PK Subban having some kind of like resurgence a little bit? Yes. Um, the resurgence is named not having to play with Andy Green for most of the season. <laughs> okay, uh-huh. that's a little that's a little harsh to Mr. Green, but um, as you know, Kelly, Father Time does not give a damn about how you know you feel about things. It's going to win, and it and it won very hard against Andy Green um, for the past three seasons. Um, but seriously, uh, Subban has definitely rankled some people in New Jersey in the sense that he still loves to do that slap shot fake that nobody in the world buys. He, you know, can still get too exuberant on hits, which means he'll take penalties, which earlier this season for the Devils was tantamount to, you know, just saying, look, just put another point on the board, man. It's going to be a goal against. And a lot of times it was. But um, Subban has definitely hit a resurgence in terms of getting his shots um, more on target, getting his shots through. They're not all slap shots, which are which is definitely a plus. And uh, I'm going to cough again. So hold on. There. But uh, more, just as importantly, Subban has been a much more effective uh, player in five on five. Um, He's been much better in rough system when it, because rough system allows defensemen to activate. And fortunately, a guy like Subban, instead of turning into the Canadian answer to Marek Zidliski and deciding, I don't want to play defense, I'm just going to charge in every time I can, he's actually been very responsible with his pinching. And when he when to jump in on offense and when not to. In fact, more often than not, you're going to see him on the blue line, and he's usually the first man back if things break down due to you know the Devils getting caught uh, in deep on offense and the opposition making a stop on defense. So mm-hmm. Subban has been very good about managing his, where he needs to be, and it, and the gains are starting to show in the five on five numbers. He's actually above 52% in Corsi. His expected goals for is. which is not positive, but it's way better than what it was last season. And um, the scoring chances, again, the one bad thing about Subban is that when he's on the ice, you know, the Devils tend to give up a lot of high danger chances. Um, That's been a problem for him. And um, one, and what's the other guy who, oh, Ryan Murray. That's the other guy that you're probably, if you're a Flyers fan, you're probably hoping um, the coaching staff, Elaine Vigneault and and his crew are going to probably target. in terms of matchups with respect to where, who Giroux is going to play against, who Voracek is going to play against, because they can get in deep and, and make those poss- make those chances possible. But other than those little issues, again, these are way better numbers in general for than what it was last season. Is he an $8 million player? No. By the way, $8 million is the salary this season. Uh, is he worth a $9 million cap hit? No. Is he going to be expansion beat for Seattle? Most likely. Is he going to get it? Is he going to get traded after his signing bonus gets paid after the, after um, this season, pretty likely if you're an Ottawa fan, um, but hmm. um, he's playing much better and more and more fans are like, yeah, Subban's playing well. We like this. Be more like this, PK. This is good. Stop coming over with bad nicknames for Jack Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> What's wait, what is he calling Jack Hughes? Well, how, how clean is this podcast, Kelly? It's filthy. It's disgusting. Say whatever you want. Okay, so when Jack Hughes entered the league last season, he came up with the nickname of, and I don't endorse this, by the way, Kelly, Lil Jizzy. Oh, God, I did hear that. <laughs> What's he the has, story behind it, though? I think I think it's based on the fact that his name is Jack. And, 
he's not big and he's, you know, he, again, he was an 18 year old rookie. So, and he, and so keep in mind, Subban is 31, 30, he's going to turn 32, I think. So he's definitely a veteran. Like he's not this, you know, boisterous contemporary, like he's now one of the older players on this devil's team. So he can get away with calling guys little, just like I can get away with calling Sammy Vatnin young. Cause I'm nearly a decade older than him. Um, which is true. Uh, but yeah, so, but PK Subban has recently retired this nickname that nobody outside of him used because it's stupid to call him gentleman Jack. Okay. Yeah, but that's still like not a whiskey. good nickname, but it's longer so, than his actual name. To be, be fair, like, hockey nicknames are stupid. They're oh, not no, creative like, at all. No, but so at least this is creative. It's creative, but just because it's creative doesn't mean it's good either. I mean, you know, it's creative if PK Subban decided it's good. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't good in Washington for Alexander Semin, and it's not good for Jack Hughes in New Jersey. Oh, it was so good for Semin. Come on, you know, that's good. <laughs> that's a good nickname for a guy named Semin. Let's look at serious. See, the NHL probably had the right idea when he was drafted. To, when they put his name on the big board, they threw an extra Y in his name. So they didn't have a whole lot of people online going like, ah, 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 look, the NHL posted semen on their big board. Um, <laughs> <coughs> they had to do that for one other player that I'm definitely not going to mention on this podcast because I'll get canceled. Um, but um, getting back to the devils here. Yeah, Gentleman's Jack is a, oh, stupid, yeah. is a stupid nickname. A better nickname is the one I came up with, Jack Hughes. He's the big deal. He's a big deal, a Kelly. Big deal. And I know, and you know this because you asked about Jack Hughes. You didn't ask about Nico Heischer, who's not playing because he's injured with a sinus fracture. You didn't ask about Jesper Bratt. You didn't really ask about, um, well, uh, Pavel Zaka, who's currently leading the Devils in points, which is kind of not good because uh, if Paul Zaka is your top scorer, that means your scoring needs some help. Um, Kyle Palmieri definitely has not been a positive factor. I mean, he has a whopping five goals. He just scored his first goal on Saturday off his stick. Uh, his previous goal before that Kelly was literally off his knee in that one, nothing game against Boston. Uh, mm. needless to say, um, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see who wants to trade for this man in three weeks. Um, but yeah, Jack Hughes is the big deal. That's see, that's I didn't ask about Nico Heeshear because. Both of our organizations got played in that draft. Let's be let's be about? real. Both of those picks, both of those picks, were not the best two players in that draft. I think we we know that now. But both of our teams, <laughs> both of our teams could have had Kale McCarr. Let's not act like both of those like that would have been better for both of us. Let's be real. I think I think the Devils are better off having a number one center at the age of eighteen. Is he that? Though. Yeah, he was the number one center for the Devils since he joined the league. I mean, just because he's playing on the top line doesn't mean he's the number one center. He's really good. He anybody on the top line. All right, if you say so. He's a lot better than the other guy I can mention in this. Don't ask me about. You. Don't ask me about Nolan Patrick. I don't want to talk about him. Oh, that's his name. I yes, we don't want to talk about Nolan Patrick. No, we don't. Okay. We, we will not. He talk did. About he did like a go in a scrum the other day. <laughs> And uh, has been getting one or two shots on goal in a game. So really, things are trending up. It's all fine. The last oh. thing that I'll ask you okay, is if the Flyers were a hockey team that, were, that was playing hockey well, what would you say is the biggest weakness 
on the Devils right now that they would be able to get over on to win this game. Special teams, as much as we've just talked about how the penalty kill is much better, it's definitely mm-hmm. not you know perfect. And just as importantly, the Devils' power play has been the very definition of a waste of time for the past several uh, games. Um, the Devils' power play goals have been the definition of just pure luck. Like, Jesper Brat shooting a 60-footer from the blue line. Oh, it goes in. Like, I'm glad it went in. I'm happy he scored. Um, actually, it was the, it was tipped in by Miles Wood. So, okay, fair. It was Wood's goal. But the point is, it wasn't because of a well-designed play or a well-thought-out structure or even a good setup. A lot of the Devils' setup issues have come from the fact that they'll they'll gain the blue line and then completely lose the puck, whether, whether or not they'll give it away. They'll throw it to the corner where nobody is. They'll reverse it to where somebody isn't ready for it. You know, take a pick. And they just succumb. Scumb? I don't know how to pronounce that. They they fall fall apart to four checks. They fall apart to pressure. So if you're looking for a five-on-five answer to this question, I would say if the Flyers can four check two players effectively, and if the the Flyers can uh, boss the, the Devils around on the penalty kill and the power play, then the Flyers will probably have a pretty good chance of coming away with a result in this game, especially if James Van Riemsdyk and Joel Farabee continue to be as hot shooters as their season stats seem to indicate. Joel Farabee will, in fact, score a goal. Really? He That's might a... be the only one. But I don't score. know. Van Riemsdyk has 13. He has seven power play goals. I think he could do a lot of devils to a devil's penalty kill that, um, yeah, it's been playing better, but it's by no means you know rock solid. Perhaps. Joel Farabee has really been the only bright spot over the last two and a half weeks. So if anyone's scoring a goal, it'll be him. Okay. Hopefully I've like all of this negativity has completely reverse jinxed and it'll be like a six zero Flyers win. But, you know, probably not. No. The last thing I'll ask you, as always, is a score prediction. Okay. What are we going to end up with? Well, as much as I would like to say this is going to be a goal fest, uh, given this, you know, the, I, I will say this, Kelly, and I will say this for the Philadelphia Flyer fans listening to this, is that, yes, the Philadelphia Flyers have a very talented set of forwards and a talented enough set of offensive defensemen. I do think that the Flyers are a team that could score four goals on any given night. The problem is, as you know, is that you have a goaltending tandem that will also give up at least four goals on any given night. And... That just does not help you win games. But the Devils, their finishing has not been very good this season. But um, they did hold, they did hold serve very well against Pittsburgh, and they've done very well against a Boston team that I could say a lot of the same things about as I just said about the Flyers in terms of talent, in terms of production, in terms of performance, and even in terms of expectations. So. Adding to the fact that this is a road game, I think the New Jersey Devils will win this in overtime, four to three. Okay. I can respect that prediction. It seems reasonable to me. I think a lot of this is going to depend on how the Flyers do tonight. I absolutely hate that the Flyers are playing the Islanders tonight and your team is playing no one, so they'll be rested. I mean, as rested as a team can be during this hellscape of a month. So, uh, Carter Hart, shit. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to say that the Flyers get their 
shit together well enough to beat a New Jersey Devils team that they should beat. I'm going to say, I'm also going to say it's going to be a tight one. I think it's going to be one of those one team scores, the other team ties it up. Team goes up by one, the other team ties it up. So I'm thinking it might, it might, I'm going to say 4-3, but in regulation. In favor of? The Flyers. Ah, so basically a repeat of uh, what they did to Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, here's hoping. With, 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 I'm guessing you're hoping not for a three-goal lead being blown up. Would prefer that they didn't, but incredibly, incredibly reasonable thing to think that might happen. Actually, it's, it's way more flyers for them to, like, go up for nothing in the first and then just slowly but surely almost lose the entire game and just, like, by the skin of their teeth get out of it 4-3. That's a very flyers way for this game to go. Okay, I, I bring that up because the last time the Devils were down uh, three nothing. Actually, I should take take that back a little bit. Back on February 9th in Washington, the Flyers were up four one going into the third period against the Devils. That game went to overtime. So I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. I'm just saying it's possible. Anything is possible. Yep. Best part about this sport, best and worst about the sport that anything is possible john thank you so much for hanging out with me i'm sorry i'm like a hockey eeyore right now but it's just it it'd be like that right now so thank you for dealing with me and talking during your chest cold or whatever you got going on there yeah it's a very good effort on your part i appreciate it thank you where can the people find you on the line they can find me at allaboutthejersey.com, which is all about the New Jersey Devils, where I write for the people who matter. All 37 New Jersey Devils fans, the most important people in the world. See what they've I did there? All, they've all seen a championship uh, much, 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 much more recently God than you possibly it. could have. I got to tell you, it's really annoying when the team's bad because I can't dunk on anybody. <laughs> well, like, I just maybe can't that, maybe, right now. Well, maybe there's a lesson here, Kelly. Maybe you shouldn't dunk on anybody. What's the point of being hockey fans of rival teams if we can't dunk on each other? You can dunk on other teams. You can dunk on the Rangers, our hated rivals. I I guess. Can't dunk on anybody right now. I mean, it's not like the Devils lost to them 9-0 recently. All right, John. We're wrapping this up. (laughs) You're giving me a headache now. Despite that, I hope you enjoy the hockey game. I hope that all 37 Devils fans enjoy the hockey game. I hope the Flyers win for my personal sanity. Okay. And that both teams have fun out there. Go go, go Devils. And guess what? April's going to, the last week of April is going to be a fun week. Is it? Four straight games against the Devils. I'm sorry. Four straight Devils Flyers games. Oh, God. April 25th, April 27th, April 29th, and May 1st. Oh, and the makeup game on May 10th. You know, just when you think you're going to get out of March and everything's going to get better, you <laughs> throw a four Devils game week at me, and I, I, uh... All right, it's a long, short season. John, thank you. Yep. Great as always. Everybody enjoy the game. Go Flyers. We're driven by the search for better. 
But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.